Welcome to Omoyo Talks, the Omoyo podcast where we talk to interesting people in Zambia about issues relating to health. And today I am so honored to have Sylvia Banda here in the studio <laughs> with me. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. And um, Sylvia Banda is a force to be reckoned with. She's a serial entrepreneur and innovator who has been in business for over 30 years here in Zambia. And her journey started in catering. This progressed into Sylvia Professional Catering College, as well as owning and operating 16 restaurants and canteens. She then opened a university, Silva University, which offers a diverse range of courses with up to 4,500 uh, 4, students. But she didn't stop there. No, she continued. And her next venture was Silva Foods, which promotes and uh, produces indigenous foods. So things like dried vegetables, teas, porridges, soups, and snacks. And these products, of course, can be found in all our supermarkets here in Zambia, but she also exports overseas. Sylvia has received a lot of awards over the years. Um, one of the awards was the Order of Distinguished Service, which she actually received twice from two different presidents. And last year, she also received the Presidential Insignia of Honor, which is only given to one person in Zambia every single year. Sylvia sits on several boards, and she's also a lifetime fellow of the prestigious Ashoka Organization, which honors leaders that are change makers for the good of society. Sylvia Banda, you are an inspiration. <laughs> wow, what a journey you have had. So I think my first question is, what do you think has attributed to your success? What qualities or mindset do you think has helped you along the way? Well, thank you so much, Kim. Uh, probably, let me let, try to take you a little bit back in my um, uh, journey as a business person. I started business at the age of 12 years. And uh, what prompted me to start business, but that time I didn't, I didn't even know that I was doing business. I went into the market uh, with my mother and I could see women selling, you know, and I could tell that they were doing business because they were, you know, they were getting money from us. And then I was imagining, where do they take that money? Then I came to conclude that, um, you know, they are sustaining their families. So I said, even me, I can do business because there's nothing to stop me. Uh, my mother used to be um, a, a, a teacher for home, uh, home economics. And uh, she used to teach us a lot of things, you know, like how to bake, how to sew using the hands. So to me, I capitalized on uh, two things, sewing and baking. And um, the, uh, my father was um, a, a diplomat. And uh, when we were out of the country, that was in Kaunda era, when we were out of the country, I was very little, but when we came back, I wanted to try and see, especially the fritters, which my mother used to make and just share with her friends. I said, even me, I can do that. So Kim, I started making, um, the first day, 
I asked my mother to buy me some flour and also some ingredients and I made the, the fritters and I asked my members of the family to, you know, to comment and everyone was happy. They said they were very nice, they were very nice. The second day I made the fritters, I did not give them to my members of the family, I gave them to our neighbors and the neighbors were so happy. The following day, they started coming. Do you still have those? I said, no. Then I made some. I took them to school and I gave them to my classmates. And when they ate, they were all very happy about those uh, fritters. I was calling them mandazi. Uh, then uh, from there, I was convinced that uh, I could make money because some people, even when I was giving free, they were offering money. They wanted to buy. Then I said, why not? Why can't I start making these fritters? I started making fritters and I'll take them to school in a basket. When I go home, not even a single fritter remains there. Then I increased it to two baskets until I had five baskets where I was even asking my siblings to help me to take them to school. One day, uh, one of the teachers called me to the staff room. Say, we know that you bring these fritters here. And I was so terrified thinking that I was going to be punished. Then I said, yes, madam, she says, from tomorrow onwards, when you bring these fritters, bring them to the staff room first so that uh, the teachers can buy. We don't want to be following you where you are selling them. So whatever remains, that's why you should sell to your friends. I was so happy and I found that the business was really booming and I was making a lot of money, but I had no use for it. I would just give them to my mother. Now, when I went to secondary school, I couldn't continue with um, uh, that business of uh, making fritters. I went to the uh, administration to look at the programs which we had and I found that uh, one of the programs was a ballroom dancing uh, you know, club whereby it was mandatory every month all the students you have to meet and then you have to be dancing. I was not interested in the, in the dancing, I was interested in making money from the dancers. And uh, this is how I started now um, Whatever the, the, my parents uh, give me as uh, uh, ration money, me, I'll take that money, I'll go and buy the materials. I taught myself how to design, and I was making uh, exclusive uh, outfits. When I make for one, I should not make that outfit for another person. So I made uh, three outfits the first time for dancing. I designed them for dancing. And uh, I made them my size so that if no one takes, I'll continue wearing them. So I took them to my classroom and I told my friends to, uh, to look at them. Immediately everyone, this one, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll give you the money when they send me the ration money. I said, it's fine. And immediately they, they paid me, I went and bought more materials. And the news went around that I designed uh, dancing clothes. Uh, so people started giving me uh, orders, no, can you make me one, can you make me one? So, and uh, I increased my business. What I did now, when I found that I could not uh, manage, because, uh, you know, I was using the hands. Uh, when I have a lot of uh, orders, sometimes I will sew backstitch, backstitch, then tacking, tacking, again backstitch, backstitch, because I would know that the dancing maybe will be like tomorrow. So I warned them when they come to collect the clothes, I said, don't dance too much. I didn't put a permanent stitch, but uh, after the dancing, you can bring them so that uh, I finish them. Then I discovered that I was wasting a lot of time and I was losing business because I couldn't meet the orders. This is when I went into the market. I talked to those people, those that had the uh, hand sewing machines. 
and we made a big deal with uh, I made a big deals with them. Uh, I would cut the materials and I would ask them just to sew. When they finish, they, I'll go with my suitcases, I'll collect and I'll call my friends. I said, your outfits are ready. So I had, I made a lot of money and I didn't know what to do with that money. And I was just putting in the, you know, in the ceiling in the, because I didn't have, I didn't even have a bank account. Until I told my parents to stop sending me money to school. I said, I've made a lot of money. I was one person when we closed, I would go with a lot of presents which I've bought for my siblings. Instead of me expecting my parents to go and give me the money. Sometimes I even tell them to say, when I'm going back, I've got a lot of money. I don't need you to give me money. Even when I went to college, I continued with that thing. In fact, college, I, um, I had two businesses. I, was, I continued sewing. And at the same time, my room, which I had, I was using it now as a, a, a business uh, room. I was cooking. I bought a two-plate cooker. I bought four, uh, three buckets of um, bigger buckets. What I was doing, I went to the administration to look for the um, a program, a feeding program. I found that there were three, four days in a week, the students were not comfortable to go to the dining. They were complaining, that, and those are the days when they were feeding us uh, with uh, rotten uh, beans, carpenter, uh, and uh, sometimes with um, uh, rotten fish or cabbage. So I capitalized those days. Me, what I was doing, I, I wake up early in the morning around zero, three hours. I'll start uh, uh, frying the, the, uh, the, the, the sausages. I've, I've bought the sausages, T-bone and chickens. And uh, that's why I had those uh, three bigger buckets. buckets. One, I'll put the sausage, fried sausages, uh, fried chickens, and fried T-bones. I was not making any starch. Because I knew to say that they would go and um, uh, get the, 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 you know, the starch uh, from the dining hall. And I, re I wrote on my door to say, eat now and pay later. So you find when I'm coming from classroom, the queues are like, I don't know, waiting for, you know, the students waiting to get the, uh, the, 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 the radish. And I'll sell them. And, you know, to catch a fifth, you need to be a fifth as well. So what I used to do is if, if you come and you want T-bone, I'll ask you for your ID and I'll get the information from there. I know this student is doing this, this kind of course. This one is doing this kind of work. So I'll get the information from that card. And when it comes to the month end now to collect the money, I'll go to the, 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 the finance manager uh, to say, please allow me to put the table here my, and a, a, a small desk and a table and a chair so that I help you to make a law and order on the queue so that they are not pushing to come inside you. And I will be allowed. I will sit there. Then the student will come and say, can I have your ID? Uh, will show me, then I go into my book and say, oh, you are owing so much. Because by then, I would have already compiled how much each one has eaten, you know, from me. Uh, you are owing me so much. Ah, okay, okay. I, I allow the person to go inside and get the allowance. When it's coming from inside, I'll be there with my hand open and I'll collect the money. I love the story, Sylvia. <laughs> I love it. So it seems like that entrepreneurial spirit was in you from the start. And wherever yes. you saw an opportunity, you kind of jumped in yes. and did something about it. It's wonderful. And it sounds like it wasn't even for the money, really. It was, no. it was more to see, could you do something with yes. the opportunity at hand? Yeah. Yes, because I'm coming from a family of uh, um, uh, eight, seven girls and one boy. 
And wow. people used to laugh at my father and my mother to say, uh, those that have got only girls, a family of girls. So to me, I wanted to prove a point that even a girl is useful in society. So whenever I do something, in fact, even when it came to education, I did not want to do something which is common. I wanted to do something which is uh, unique for men. You see, because I wanted to prove to my parents to say, it's not a mistake that you've only got girls, but uh, girls can also do something. Yeah. So it seems like it didn't matter what sector, it was more about the opportunity that you took. And, and I think that shows throughout your whole career because mm. you've jumped from different sectors <laughs> and you've still managed to be successful throughout yes. this whole journey. Yes. Even when I started work, the first thing that I did was to befriend the people that I found. I found old, you know, ladies, what, what, I would go and, um, you know, talk to them. In fact, Kim, if there is something that I uh, thank God for which he has given me, is the, you know, the, um, the knowledge, the, um, uh, I don't forget things easily. You know, when I, whenever someone has uh, uh, told me something or has done something, I think I store that memory for a long, long time. So that is what I used to do. I would do, sometimes I don't even write things, but I would be able to, you know, reflect and uh, get, uh, you know, uh, uh, get back to what uh, transpired. So whenever I go to the office, I will talk to them, how many children do you have? They tell me five children, how many boys? What are their ages? I'll be able to take about four people, I'll still be remembering. Then I'll go to my office and I'll go and write. This one told me she's got five children, uh, two are boys, three are girls. This one said this and that. Then I was playing in their minds. I'll use the money which I made, a lot of money from the college, I'll go, and buy outfits, because I know that each and every mother would like beautiful outfits for their children. I'll go and buy them, then I'll, I'll bring in the suitcases, exactly the, si the sizes that I was given, but with them, they didn't know. Then I'll just come and tell them, oh, I've got these outfits, please come and get for your children, but you'll pay me at a month end. Oh. And everything would go, not knowing that I got their ages, <laughs> you see, the ages of their children. They'll take month and they'll pay me. So meaning that I continued, you know, that entrepreneurial uh, skills uh, in my, uh, it, I can say it has been in my blood. I always look for opportunities. Where there is a problem, I always want to come in and also, uh, you know, disband that kind of problem and then uh, move on. Even when it came to doing business, um, I did not struggle. I just used, the, you looked at uh, what is it that I've acquired as a, uh, as, as a person, as Sylvia, uh, I only worked for three years in formal employment in the Ministry of Education. Then uh, from there, I called it a quit. I thought that uh, it's better, uh, uh, you know, I started my own uh, business. And this is how I started the journey. I uh, opened up uh, a small eating place in the in Chinika uh, area. And it was doing very well because I think I was the only caterer there who was providing uh, food for uh, the people around. And even the kind of catering which I was doing is not a common one because what I did, I went around to all the companies and I got um, the, the orders that I could be providing catering for them. Like, in fact, the first company I went there was Julie Motors. I went and saw the resource, uh, 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 what do you call them, HR. I said, uh, do you have uh, an eating place here? I said, no, what, what? And then I said, do you know that you lose a lot of money? 
says no. I said, uh, if at all you don't feed the workers, where do you think they get the, the food from? Say they go out to buy. I said, no. Yes, they go out to buy, but using your raw materials, the spare parts, they will steal them, they will go and sell cheaply, make money, and then buy the, the food. But you can cut that one by 90% if at all you start providing food. And we can help you. We can be providing food for your workers. Let them eat. You know, a stomach which is full does not look at anything else, you know, to go and sell. Someone but who get something to go and sell in order to buy food. So I convinced them immediately. They said, we want to start. I, I love this about you, Sylvia. <laughs> I really love it. And what, I mean, you've done so many businesses throughout the year, uh, mm -hmm. throughout your life. But there is one that Silva Foods that has had a particular big impact on nutrition in Zambia that I'd love for us to delve in a little bit deeper mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what opportunity you saw there why you started Sylvia, Silva Foods and, and how you came about to do that? Yeah. Um, after uh, doing some of those businesses which I've talked about, I, um, in 20,000, uh, if you can go into the archives, you would notice that um, we had um, a drought in Zambia. And uh, that particular year, we were just getting some, you know, AIDS, food AIDS, uh, to, you know, to, to sustain ourselves as a country. Uh, the following year, we had uh, the rains, but we had floods. Again, we continued getting food aid, and we were getting that uh, yellow maize, if you remember. And um, that is what, it has even made it very difficult for us, actually, when we are now uh, promoting the orange uh, maize, people still have that stigma thinking it is yellow because we ate it for a long time. And now after the flood, you know, we found that uh, the weather stabilized, but people were still lazy. They did not want to go back to, you know, to, to, the, to the land. But and they become dependent on the food uh -huh, aid. on the yeah. food aid. So the, we were at pains because we knew that uh, uh, we could do much as a country. Uh, but we, you know, we were complacent. And this is when Mr. my husband, uh, Nectar, and myself, we thought we could try to, you know, start promoting the uh, uh, indigenous food because we knew the power of indigenous food, that it is highly nutritious and, uh, you know, and most of it, you know, just grows on its own. And we also looked at the growth, uh, the growth rate. Uh, if you look at a 14-year-old boy uh, from the urban areas, who will be looking as if he's 18 or 21 years, but he's just a young boy, 14 years. Then we went to the villages also. We looked at the same age, 14, but the boy will be looking, or the girl will be looking as though he's about uh, 9 or 10, somewhere there. Then we knew the problem was food. And we wanted actually to come in now and uh, try to see how we could help. But we decided to concentrate very much in the rural areas because we knew that that's where most of the food which comes into the urban areas come from. Uh, we got some of the samples. And even when we wanted to buy those samples, our mothers in the rural areas were refusing to sell to us. How come? <laughs> they were saying it's taboo for them to sell us the dried vegetables. 
or we could do it just to us. Whatever, you know, whatever quantity that they have, they could just give us. And most of them, they were keeping the, the vegetables, dry vegetables like uh, pumpkin leaves, cow peas leaves. They will make a, something like a bowl using the leaves, then they will put the vegetables there. And then you find in the kitchen where they are cooking, they may have even about 20 of them, but you know, different varieties, they hang them there. Then down here they are cooking. There's a lot of uh, science and technology. <laughs> okay, and these were all like dark green leafy vegetables, different yes, types. Yes, different yeah. types. Yeah. So what they would do is, as they are cooking, as they are cooking like that, the smoke would be going to those, uh, you know, uh, bowls which they have made. Meaning that there is no weevil that can attack those bowls. They can stay there for one year, two years, no weevil will attack those. Uh, whenever they want to cook, they will just go and remove one, then they open and they will get the vegetables from inside, and then they get a, a, a fresh a leaf again, they will patch it up, and they will hang it again, then they will cook those vegetables. Beautiful and nice vegetables. So when we brought the, those vegetables that we were given to Lusaka, we asked our friends to, you know, to test. We, want, we did a, a sensory testing and uh, we wanted comments. And then uh, they told us to say the vegetables were nice, but they were full of sand and also some twigs because some we just put them on the table to say, we just want your comments. I said, no, they've got full of twigs and so forth. Then we knew that what the, our mothers needed in the rural areas was training so that they can be drying according to our standards. That's how we started the training. We, tr we have trained more than um, 25,000 smallholder farmers all over Zambia. We've even crossed into Tanzania and also we've crossed into Mozambique. And was that training also how to grow or just how to process, how to, to dry them? Uh, some organizations, because we work with uh, uh, different organizations like uh, Africa, Care International, World Vision. In fact, I can say all the NGOs, uh, those that are in Zambia, actually, we have worked with them. So um, those are the, 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 thing, the vegetables, they are leafy vegetables. And uh, the reason why we cross into the neighboring countries is that uh, in the southern region, most of the vegetables which we eat, which we have in Zambia, is very common, it's also there. What differs are just the local names, but the botanic names are the, the, the same. Yeah. So it started with the green leafy vegetables, and then obviously now it has continued into all sorts of other products. Tell us about other innovations products, uh, that you've yes. done. Yeah. yeah, so when we did that, um, uh, when we started now selling the products, uh, and after training the farmers now to say, this is the way we want our products, even uh, uh, our local, uh, I mean, the, our mothers in the rural areas who were refusing to sell us the vegetables, now they are our biggest supplier uh. because we had to change the mindset to say, uh, whatever you grow, it's not that you can only eat and throw the rest which you don't want to eat, you can sell. So we started actually buying from them. And uh, when we did that, now the, uh, the interest was so high that we did not know where to take the products when they started supplying us. This is where World Bank came to our aid. And uh, they, uh, they gave us some, uh, a matching grant. And immediately we decided to put up the factory so that we could uh, be processing and then get more uh, products from the, the farmers. 
and it actually worked. And as we started doing that, we again introduced now the packaging because we were thinking of uh, the Zambians in diaspora and also other Africans in diaspora. You know, they miss a, a lot of uh, such type of products. Yeah. So immediately we started doing that as they come to visit they will come, they, you know, news went around, you no, know, you can get the dry products now, you can travel with them and what. So they started buying and as they go out, you know, uh, other people now started ordering. This is how we started actually exporting. We started from the Zambians in diaspora. Okay. And then also we, we knew very well to say that as we are in Zambia, we wouldn't know what is needed in America, what is needed in Canada and so forth. So it is the Zambians that we have, we, whom we partnered with, they were helping us now to get, um, uh, you know, the orders uh, everywhere. So this is how we started actually popularizing our products by exporting. But uh, we do a lot of uh, indirect uh, also export where people just come and order. They take them to Congo, they take them to... And you find that our products are all over the world. But some of them, we, it's not us who even send, but they come and get and then they go and sell them. Then we looked at the farmers again to say, we have been supporting them with just the vegetables. When we buy from them, when, they, when it's off season, they had nothing to lay their hands on. This is when we said, okay, let's make the farmers busy. And we introduced the canning of uh, village chickens because we found that they keep a lot of uh, chickens and a, lo a lot of goats. So we opened another, a, a new industry for canning where we are packaging the goats and also the village chickens. Ah, the, the market was huge. And, uh, you know, we, at first we were not putting the bones, we were putting the steak. They complained bitterly to say, this is not village chicken, we know. They wanted the <laughs> So okay. we had to go back to the drawing board, you know, R&D, you know, to, to research more. And that is how we started now putting the chicken together with the, you know, the, the bones. And also the village, the, the goats also, we were also canning the, you know, the offals as well as the meat. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, now we moved on to the um, uh, cereal because uh, we discovered that uh, most of uh, these places where we were going around, um, when you look at the children, the malnutrition uh, content was uh, quite high. Uh, sometimes uh, even the adults, you find that actually they've got their malnutrition. So we were looking for a product that could solve a problem among ourselves as adults as well as the children. That's how we came up with a cereal uh, made out of orange maize and uh, also blended with uh, a moringa. Uh, when we did that, uh, we did a sensory testing also at uh, the University of Zambia and it came out very, very well. That is how we decided to put that product on the market because we knew very well that if someone had to take our moringa uh, cereal, uh, for a week, the situation will change. From there, we came up with a soup, a moringa soup, and then we came up with, uh, right now we have the moringa corn puffs, and also the moringa uh, tea bags, uh, plain, and also moringa um, a tea bag blended with um, a ginger. So these are the moringa products, and they're doing very, very well. And uh, the beauty is that they are dry. Even the same rural uh, people, 
you find that um, they are also buy them and keep them in the pantries and they can stay for a longer period of time. Oh, that's very interesting. That's <laughs> fantastic. Now, um, with this, uh, obviously when I listen to you, and I think when other people listen to you, it seems like whatever you decide to do just works out. It's almost like a fairy tale. <laughs> but I'm sure you have faced many challenges along the way. Yes. Perhaps tell us about some of the, the greatest challenges you have overcome. Yeah, uh, when you're doing something, it's not that um, there are no challenges, but uh, what is important is to stick to the idea. And the, in fact, when you come up with the idea, before, whenever I'm doing something new, I used to share with the friends, oh, we are doing this and that and that. And I discovered that they were not working. Uh, then, because you have a lot of people discouraging you, this one says this, this one said that, so I changed the stance. Whenever we are working on new products, I will keep quiet. I will run with it until it reaches at a certain level whereby we are able to, you know, to, 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 to open the, the doors to the public. And you felt that other people were discouraging you? Yes. They were putting doubt in your, your mind? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Someone has never gone through, uh, but you just come with a, and doesn't even know what the outcome would be for that thing that you are trying to come up with. But they would just start discouraging you, no, but this, you know. And the mind is um, so weak, whereby sometimes when someone may say something, you may not react, but when you're alone, you start reflecting, reflecting about it. Then you may say, I think maybe that person has got a point. Maybe I'm just wasting money in this thing. And especially when we started promoting the indigenous food, a lot of people discouraged us. Because they were saying, some were even asking to say, don't they have anything important where they can invest their money than wasting, you know, this thing everyone grows, who doesn't know this, who doesn't do what? But we stood our ground to say, yes, our mothers, they dry these things, but they do it in a wrong way. And we have to correct that. So we have, and how do we correct it? We have to train them. And even our mothers actually, Oh, whenever you do the training, they really appreciate it. They say, you have taught us the new way of doing it. We have been doing it in the wrong way. So you will find that uh, there are so many discourages, they, uh, discouragements. And also there are a lot of challenges. Sometimes you may do something expecting to succeed, but you find that it has not worked. Mm. And uh, personally, I've got uh, one, the way of consoling myself. I just said, yes, education is expensive. <laughs> so I So you didn't see it as a failure as such, it was educating yourself. Yes. Yes. I take it as education. Yeah. I just educating myself. I just say So that you could do it differently next I, time. I have to do it now differently, you know, the next time. And um also when you're doing business, um you need to you you have eyes but you choose what to see. You've got ears, but choose what it should go into your ears. So, and also some of the friends, those especially whom you, you have discovered that they are distractors, I think diplomatically moved away. Move, yeah, move away and continue to pursue what you want to do. So that perseverance. Yes, because the area that we have gone into, to tell you the truth, it is a, 
an area which no one actually thought of going in. So you find a lot of negativities, a lot of what, what they will give you nicknames, what, what, of what you are doing, but don't worry. What is important is pursue what you are trying to pursue and also avoid to be a copycat. That is my philosophy, actually. I always believe in uh, uniqueness. As I've seen, Zambia, we could have developed uh, more than what we, where we are. But the problem is that uh, we like copying what others are doing. It is good to copy, but be, divert it into your own so that you have ownership. To, yes, yeah. Yeah. You have ownership, like the way Umoyo, you see, all those products, I, I envy the, the products which you do, but I can assure you, I will never come and give you competition. But I would rather make something whereby we are complementing each other. And it can inspire, one can yes. inspire yes. <laughs> one another, yeah. Yes, and you know it pains me where you find in this road there was no one who was selling anything, but one woman decides to come and start selling tomatoes. The following week you find the whole road, everyone is selling tomato, tomato, tomato. But I always think to say, why can't they think to say, okay, fine, our friend started tomatoes, me, I'll be selling onions. Me, I'll be selling carpenter. Me, I'll be selling vegetables. So that by the end of the day, they'll start giving business to each other. Oh, but I think I for you, vegetables? it comes very naturally. <laughs> you just naturally see those opportunities, you know? And I know you are working on a new project. You're about to launch a whole new factory. Yeah. Maybe tell us a little about, uh, about this latest venture of yours. Yeah, um, having seen uh, uh, what we have done from the small factory that we have and what we are able to uh, produce and also having seen a farmer is someone who works so hard but by the end of the day they will get very little or nothing out of that. That's why we always look at the farmers to say they don't grow, they are the same farmers. So I said in my heart, I said, in a small way, if I can do something to help a poor farmer there, with, uh, you know, to, to sell his or her product at a premium, it will, it, I will be very, very, very happy. Because Zambian farmers or traders, they sell their products in a raw form and they get very little. But if they can add value to the same, someone will sell it at a premium uh, price and can even uh, someone we can encourage people to sell their products even in the mega supermarkets. Why? They cannot, uh, and also by so doing, we are responding to the president's call of um, buy local, support, I mean, support local, grow local, and buy local uh, campaign. But how do we do that? I discovered that, um, one, we have poor uh, uh, packaging materials, which is not attractive. Even if the product which we have put inside is good, as long as the packaging is poor, people won't, uh, you know, people buy from the eyes before they could actually uh, put it in the mouth and uh, confirm the product. So this is um, uh, where we, we have come up with this um, a project. It's a, a factory. Uh, we were funded by World Bank through means of uh, commerce. And um, we have put up a, uh, a factory, a very big factory, and um, also the equipment, we bought the equipment, uh, which has already been installed, 
uh, we are just waiting for electricity so that we open the doors to the public. This factor is a contract packaging. Uh, we, what we want is to help those that cannot own the factory because it's not everything that we can own. Otherwise, you'll find yourself that uh, <laughs> you've got everything. You even making bicycles, maybe just because you want to exercise. Instead of going to buy from someone and say, no, I'll start just you know, making bicycles. So we said, okay, fine. We can help those that cannot afford to uh, have the factory, but they've got the raw materials. And uh, they can bring the products to us. Uh, if they have the, the formula, we can just process for them according to their formula. But if at all they don't have the formula, we also have a lab where we are going to be helping uh, these people to come up with a formula. Once they like their formula, it will be their own formula. And we are not going to make that formula for another person. It will be exclusive. And why are we trying to do that? We are trying to kill that notion of uh, copycats. Mm -hmm. We want people to come up with their own so that they have ownership. If uh, Umoyo, you, you want uh, what product? I can give an example maybe with, I'm just trying to use it as an example. Yeah, well, tea. Uh -huh, tea, and you have the name for this tea. All you have to do, you come to us, we sign a confidentiality uh, a document whereby this tea, even if someone uh, comes with a packet and they say, can you make me this? Because that's what uh, uh, most Zambians normally like. Can you make me this exactly? We are not going to do that because we are trying to encourage people to have unique products. Unique Zambian products that are value added in the country because over the years we've become so dependent on importing products and it's becoming more and more expensive of course with what's happening with our exchange rate so yes. anything that can help us produce more things locally I, I, it's fantastic correct correct and also one of the things which prompted us to go into this contract packaging uh, we, we as silver we looked at um, the continent uh, africa continental free trade area which zambia is a signatory and um, meaning that we are going to have free movement of goods you know in our countries and if at all we have not positioned ourselves properly as a country we are going to be a dumping place for other products because they will be, we have signed for the other products to be coming into zambia but if at all we organize very well it is our products which will be going outside you know zambia we already, in fact, in Zambia, we stand a very good, good, uh, you know, chance of earning the most needed uh, foreign, uh, uh, foreign um, uh, exchange, whatever um, uh, money, uh, because of these eight countries which I'm talking about that is around Zambia, we are linked to them. Once they know that we've got proper products, they are the ones who will be getting these products. And we can send our products to Malawi, we can send it to Congo, we can send it everywhere. Because they, there is now free movement of the, you know, these uh, goods. And oh. it has to start from our packaging. If our packaging is strong, it's attractive, and also, you know, Zambia, we are a blessed nation because most of the traditional foods that we have is highly nutritious. 
No, it's fantastic. I, I love the project that you're doing and it's going to add so much value to, to Zambia and the products that we're able to produce. So it's going to be very interesting to see in a few years where, where it's led you. Um, once again, you have done so much in your life in so many different areas. What are you most proud of? What accomplishment are you most proud of? What's closest to your heart? <laughs> Well, uh, what, what, what I'm very proud of uh, are my children uh, first. They are very, very supportive. My husband was top of all. He was very, very supportive. Uh, after we uh, lost him in 2018, I was thinking that maybe the children now, uh, that they have grown, they would you know, disappear, each one doing his own thing. But I'm so happy that they are very, very supportive. Even if they are doing their own things, they don't forget about um, the family business. They are always there to give support. And the other thing also is, uh, which makes me very happy, uh, is the level of playing field in Zambia. We are very, very lucky because Zambia is one of the countries where you can come up with uh, anything, business to do you don't uh, expect to have a lot of hindrances. Of course, jealous people will be there. They may be leaders, they may be what, what, but forget about them. There is no law in Zambia which says you cannot do business. You know, as long as that thing which you are doing is not illegal, we are free to do that. And the other thing is also that uh, when I work with these farmers, the joy that I see when I go, you know, because the Silver Food Solutions, our tracer system is very, very strong. Whenever we train them, we follow them to go and find out how they are doing, how they are faring. And you'll find that uh, when you go there, they, started, they start now giving the testimonies. Because they'll tell you, you remember last time you came, you'll find a lot of children, and they're the ones who were fetching uh, water to wash the vegetables before we dried. They're the ones who were doing this and that. But now they are not there. Say, so what has happened? They have gone back to school. Because you empowered us and now we've paid for them and they have gone to school. What, what, and you feel so much touched. You and see sometimes, the impact, yes, yeah. Some of them will tell you, in, for, in my life, for the first time, I'm able to sleep on a bed. I'm able to sit on a sofa because when I got that money, I managed to buy the sofa, I managed to buy the sofas, I managed to buy the, you know, the bed. Others will tell you, you remember that time when you were training us? Uh, my husband had run away to another village because of hunger. Uh, now he's back. We are a family. You know, when you hear such stories, we will feel very, very, you know, very, very happy. And one thing that I've, I've uh, also, one thing that I can talk about is the uh, solar dryers. It makes me happy because when we started, uh, we were just uh, teaching the farmers, uh, we were cutting the trees. Uh, the, you know, small trees, uh, then we make the table uh, about one, one and a half meters high, and then we put the reed mats there, and that's where we dry, we are drying the vegetables and we cover with the nets. But still more, we were compromising quite a lot, because when the wind comes, it will just still come and, you know, land onto your products. But now, with the, I came up with a prototype uh, solar dryer. And uh, when we did the drying of the vegetables in there, they came out very well. 
And also when we did the analysis, the ones which were drying in the sun and the ones which were doing in the solar dryers, there was a very big difference. Because the one for the solar dryers, we were losing very few nutrients than the one that we were uh, subjecting uh, into the sun for a long time. Because you find that uh, for the sun, you dry the vegetables for three, four days before they are properly dried. But the solar dry is the same day, just a few hours, and all you lose is just the water, and you retain the chlorophyll, and you retain a lot of nutrients. And uh, two, uh, the color. We were compromising on the color when we were drying in the sun. It it wear out, but not in the in the solar dryer. Three, the sand. When you put the products in the sun, as I said, the wind, when it comes, the sand will be there and the twigs. But in the solar dryer, once you cover it, it has no contact with any, anyone. And until they are dry, when you remove them there, they are just okay. And then five, you find that um, the products that you dry in the uh, sun, uh, they are, you only, the only thing that you retain there is just a fiber. Yeah, when you do the analysis. But the other one, you find that... All the nutrition is still there, intact. There, yeah. there. So, and also, it was commercially viable, you know, to dry using the solar dryer than the sun. So, uh, from, uh, since, uh, from that time, we did the prototype one. We have even now commercialized the solar dryers. We've made so many solar dryers. They are all over the country, including... Um, Tanzania, when we did the training, they got some, bought some of the solar dryers from Zambia and even in Mozambique. So uh, these are some of the things which really make me happy because we started in a small way and you have seen the way you see they are uh, enlarging. Yeah, those are some of the things which really make me very, very happy and proud of what I'm doing. And so you should be. <laughs> so for people listening to this uh, who may want to find out more about what you're doing and connect with you and your companies, how can they connect? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can get hold of us. We are, we are, our head office is in the showgrounds. Uh, the place which we are occupying is our, our place. It does not uh, belong to Show Society. We bought a piece of land and uh, we constructed um, our own place and that is our head office. Uh, of course, we will soon be moving to our new place. It's in um, a, a Chalala area and uh, immediately we, we, we open. And uh, probably they can also uh, get in touch with me on uh, 0979-707944. Oh nine seven nine seven zero four four. Oh oh nine seven nine. We'll put it seven in the zero seven nine We'll make sure all those details are in the uh, show notes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, so Sylvia, what does the future hold for you? You think? <laughs> Where are you going next? <laughs> well, in the first place, my dream is uh, that uh, we want to become a center of uh, attraction in Africa. And also, we want our products not just to be enjoyed here in Zambia. We feel that um, we have a good thing. And uh, when you have a good thing, you don't have to be selfish. Allow other people also uh, to experience that good thing. So I believe that um, if we can join hands with fellow Zambians, those that have got a heart to develop Zambia, like Umoyo, and others uh, come on board, 
to me that is the thing that will make me a very proud and a very happy a Zambian person. And uh, also, my dream is to ensure that a farmer gets out of that cocoon of just, you know, growing and say when raw form, let's try to help them so that uh, they can sell their products at a premium. Because Zambia has got a very, very nice product, which actually we are able to feed the, the nation. Last, last night I was listening to the Minister of Agriculture uh, actually uh, talking about the bumper harvest that we are going to receive this year. And uh, I believe that um, uh, it is very, very good. The nation has done quite a, a, a good job by giving them uh, farming implements beforehand. And I wish that that could continue. Now, let us not just be happy and end up at enjoying that we've got a bumper harvest. Let us now add value to that bumper harvest and position ourselves well uh, in the market. Yeah. Uh, no, um, thank you once again, Sylvia, for being here today. Your story is incredible, and I'm sure as people listen to it, they will be so inspired, just like I have been. And uh, I wish you all the best. And like I said, I'm so excited to see how all your new endeavors turn out. I'm sure it will all be a success. Thank you so much, Sylvia. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and God bless you. Thank you. To all our listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. I wish you all a fabulous day. Go out there and live your best life. And until next time, bye. Bye.